This is the Marsh and Matt Show with Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Marsh and Matt Show. Marshall Kellner and Matt Gallivan along with you. And we have a guest. We'll introduce him in a moment. First, uh, Matt, how are you doing this week? Well, I, I'm doing pretty well, although it's it's nice to finally have a bunch of action on the NFL front. A lot of dominoes to uh, have started to fall, will continue to fall, and I think we're all just anticipating to see what Quazy and KOC uh, do. It's going to be uh, interesting. Yeah, uh, last week was all baseball on our show. This week will be all football, specifically Minnesota Vikings and Kirk Cousins, as we promised at the end of last week's show i'm out in las vegas this week uh to cheer on uh, the usc trojans uh, my squad in the pac-12 tournament um so yeah and and baseball is far away apparently because uh, as we record this on wednesday march 9th they just canceled the second week of the season now so um <laughs> it's good we recorded that last week vented our frustrations and now who knows when we'll talk about baseball again on this show, but uh, NFL free agency is going to kick into high gear next week. And uh, right now the trades are already happening with the quarterback. So it's a perfect time to uh, bring in a new guest, Joe Spinoza. He uh, just revealed to us off air that he's only been on Twitter about a month and a half, but le- less than two months on Twitter, but uh, already creating a stir. He's got over a thousand, uh, fol- over 1100 followers. And uh I'll just read from his. He's he's a self-proclaimed Kirk Cousins number one fan. So we had to get him on here. Uh, Matt and I are both Kirk fans, um, but uh, I'm not sure if we're as big a Kirk fans as Joe is. And the interesting thing about Joe is he's he wasn't born and raised a Minnesota Vikings fan. So I want to get into that and much more. But first, we'll uh, welcome him on. Joe, how you doing? Uh, wonderfully. I'm happy you guys have me on and it's going to be a great conversation. You know, you guys are much more, uh, amicable than, uh, Mackie and Judd who keep dodging me. You still, I emailed Phil and Bentline multiple times. They say, oh, you can come on, but they don't, they don't want the smoke. And it's, uh, it's unfortunate, but I'm happy you guys will have me on and, and maybe Phil will have a rebuttal. We'll see. Yeah, yeah, I I would love to see you uh, go on there and and debate them. Um, also, uh, we may have to hook you up with uh, KFAN, the the uh, home of the Minnesota Vikings, uh, where uh, Paul Allen is there and and uh, many other uh, big names. So I we'll 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 talk about that afterwards. Uh, but you can find Joe on Twitter at Real Joe Spinoza, S P I N O S A. Um, it says you're Kirk Cousins' number one fan, Al Horford appreciator, BU alum, just recently uh, graduated, and a dabbler in propriety sports analytics. So, so we'll get uh, we'll get into all that. But first, tell us a little bit about for those who aren't aren't familiar with you, because you are so new to the to the Twitter scene and to Vikings fans. And this is a Minnesota uh, show. Uh, where are you from? What what do you do? You know, now that you've graduated. And uh, how did you become this uh, self-proclaimed number one Kirk Cousins fan? Oh, I don't want to take up the entire show. Cliff Notes version. I'm a talker. And, uh, and I'll just say my personality on Twitter, you know, a lot of people might say I'm playing a character, but uh, that's just who I am. So I am from Boston, Massachusetts. I was born in Boston. I live in a suburb like 15 minutes outside of the city. 
went to a, you know, come from an Italian-American family, went to a private Catholic school right outside Boston. So I'm all Boston sports, you know, for a Patriots fan, Red Sox, Celtics, not a big hockey guy, but, you know, I'll, if the Bruins are on, I'll cheer for them. I'll go to the parade. We haven't had one, you know, for the Bruins since 2011. But, you know, if and when they win, I'll go to the parades. And, yeah, so I'm all Boston and um, still a Boston sports fan. So those are my teams. And when it comes to Kirk Cousins, so let's take it back. And I'm, I'm a fairly young guy. I'm 22, but I've always been a sports fan. So we'll take it back to 2012, 10 years ago. My original hero, Tom Brady, quarterback of the Patriots, is coming off his second Super Bowl loss to Eli Manning and the Giants. And he's turning 35. And this was before we knew what Brady was in terms of his longevity. We knew he was great, but at that point, he had gone eight years without winning a Super Bowl, and his numbers were starting to slightly decline. He was still great, and the Colts uh, had Peyton Manning. He missed uh, the entire 2011 season with his neck injury. The Colts were going to draft Andrew Luck. They were, you know, the, our rival, the team that, you know, I grew up hating and had slash appreciating. So, I knew that they were going to draft Andrew Luck, and it was the first year I kind of started to get into the draft and, you know, looking at college quarterbacks and looking at guys. So I figured, you know, if the Colts are looking at a quarterback, I'm going to go look at the quarterbacks of this class. We obviously are the Patriots. We're not going to have a high pick. So I'm going to delve in, and I looked at, you know, the top, you know, 10 quarterbacks in that draft. So there was obviously Luck in RG3. Then there was Tannehill in Whedon, and Russell Wilson was in that draft. I'm trying to, like, um, uh, Kellen Moore was in that draft. Um, John Blanks on some other names. And Cousins was in that draft. So I was watching Gruden's QB camp. And I watched Kirk Cousins' interview there. And I watched some tape on him. I remember a few games that he played at Michigan State. I'm not a huge college football guy, but, you know, I remember a few games that I saw when I was a kid. And I'm like, that's it. That's my guy. That's the next Brady. So ever since 2012, I have followed Kirk Cousins' career. I was upset when Washington drafted him because they had RG3, but I predicted, I said, RG3 will have an injury like Drew Bledsoe did, and Kirk Cousins will come in, and he will be a Hall of Fame quarterback. I have a post from when I was like 13, from, from uh, 2013 on, so I have the receipts. I've kept it, and yeah, I have followed Kirk ever since, and I'm also a natural antagonist and contrarian, so the more people push back on me about it, the more I dug my heels in and argued for Kirk. And I genuinely do believe it. I think he's a top five or six quarterback right now. And um, yeah, so that's my Kirk origin story. And, you know, the, the more people push back, the more I'm going to dig in my heels and defend him. That, that's a great story. And uh, we will do very little pushing back as far as, as, far as, the, uh, as compared to the Kirk haters, certainly. Um, we both Matt and I, as we were, we were talking about, uh, before the show, uh, really like Kirk and think he's kind of been underappreciated during his time with the Minnesota Vikings. So that's, that's my next question for you. If you had to assess, he's now had four years with the Vikings and it's been, uh, tumultuous to say the least, especially, you know, the last two years with the defense struggling COVID, um, the one year where things were kind of normal in 2019, they went, he went 10 and five. He didn't play that last game. They won a playoff game in new Orleans. That team easily could have won 13 games. Um, and that, like I said, was the best defense around him. Probably the most normal stuff. 
offensive coordinator had some stability with Kevin Stefanski. So if you had to assess his, his time with the Vikings, what would you say? So if we just kind of go quickly, you know, year by year, 2018, I'm, I'm a harsh grader. So you guys will see I'm not, you know, going to give him an A all four years. First year, I'm going to give him a B slash B minus. Um, you know, it's hard coming into a new system. And I put out uh, a tweet and a graphic of just how the core defensive players from the Vikings regressed heavily from 2017 to 2018. And uh, I, people always say 13 and three NFC championship game to eight, seven and one. Um, you know, there's the Green Bay game that they tied week two where Kirk was insane. Like, oh, I remember that throw to Thielen, uh, but didn't like, Carlson miss like four kicks and like yeah. that game was a mess. Um, so, but still, I, uh, I remember how disappointed I was in Kirk in week 17 um, against the Bears. And I put in, you know, well, I had a few tweets that like, you know, really got traction and brought me in, you know, a lot of followers. And um, one, the first one was when I said that if Rodgers leaves, which he didn't leave Green Bay, and Brady retires, happened, Kirk would be the best QB in the NFC. But then another one was that Kirk Cousins had one objectively bad game in a big moment in week 17 versus the Bears, and Vikings fans never let him live it down. And so I gave him a B for his first year. Second year, I'll give him an A minus. Uh, I really don't see any faults in how he played. He had, what, 26 touchdowns, six picks. Super efficient. Uh, I've always said, no matter how good your team is, your expectation can't be more than double-digit wins and a playoff round. So, you know, you can always want more. You can be pointed. But I feel like that's the baseline for any good team. You know, it's really hard making it to the conference championship, the Super Bowl. So divisional round, double-digit wins. Kirk played really well. Uh, last year, I'll give him an A-. minus. Again, he was really bad to start, but you look at how he turned it on towards the end and some heartbreaking losses. You had Seattle, you had Tennessee. So I give him another A minus, and he's 35 touchdowns, super efficient. You know, post by, he was, you know, unbelievable. And this year, I give him an A. He, I really, you know, outside of the Cleveland game, you know, but everyone has a bad game, he was sensational. And he was held back by a terrible coach terrible line, terrible defense, and he still, you know, carried the team as far as I think any quarterback not named Brady, Rodgers, Mahomes, Allen could do. So, yeah, so cumulatively, let's just say an A-minus for his Vikings tenure. So uh, that's very in-depth, Joe, and appreciate you going through it. You can tell just how much you've followed his career and watched all the games, you know, unlike every a game, lot of people – Dating back to Washington. I mean, and a lot of people, I think, like to pick and choose, to your point, one moment and encapsulate, you know, Kirk's time with the Vikings based on that. If, you know, for all the people who think that you're just a blind fan of Kirk, if you were going to say that, you know, this is the one flaw, you know, that you would really point to in his game that you think he needs to improve on, what would you say that is? It's, uh, and I, I've said this, and it's twofold in the sense where for fans, it's excruciating and it's bad Kirk. And bad Kirk is very similar to bad Brady. And I know I keep making the Brady Kirk comparison. Brady is obviously the greatest of all time. And Brady, especially 
as he got older, actually limited this. But post ACL surgery, it's when a team gets pressure up the middle, you, he never seems to find a groove. And it's like, you know, there were, I remember games against Indy, you know, you'd have Dwight Perini and Robert Mathis. And then when against Denver, Von Miller, you know, all those great teams. And then Baltimore um, was another one. You knock Brady off his spot. Same thing with Kirk. You get him off his spot to start the game. He can't seem to shake it. And a bad, you know when it's going to be a bad game. You know when you start the game with two, three and outs, that it, he's, it's not going to happen. He's not going to turn it around. He might have one solid drive. You know, you might put up 17 points. But that's my, that's my you know, knock on Kirk. Is once he gets knocked off his spot, he does lack confidence. And I, you can kind of see it. And he gets uncomfortable and jittery. And he will start dumping the ball off. So that's my knock on Kirk. And it's unesthetically pleasing. And I feel like that's why fans especially don't like him and like that style of play. Because it's not even exciting, you know, watching Kyler Murray take a sack in a big moment. You know, at least you're watching him run around or, you know, taking shots downfield. It's just an hour of dump off to the fullback. Yeah. Uh, and, and it seems like that, people want to apply bad Kirk to way more instances than actually exists or, you know, or they see one pass to the fullback and say, Oh, well, you know, I guess he's, he's checking, it's check down Kirk. He's just doing it all the time. And then statistically you look at it and you go, is he really outside the norm for a lot of these, these guys? Um, you know, so it, it is really frustrating uh, to see that be uh, the dialogue around him in, in terms of let's assume for one second, that the Vikings are going to keep Kirk, whether that's for many years or one, you know, play out the current contract. Where do you see him having the biggest opportunity to take a step forward under Kevin O'Connell's, you know, offensive genius uh, mindset and, and sort of taking a different approach to how he runs the offense? Uh, this is going to be very groundbreaking. And I don't think that you, you know, any genius of O'Connell, and I'm not saying that he's not, but, you know, we have to pump the brakes a little bit. Uh, just not being Zimmer, and it, it's going to help a lot. It's obvious that when you just watch games, the Vikings had, uh, I believe they had a lead by, of at least six points in every game except against the Rams. Other than that game, they would always get up to a one-score lead, you know, a touchdown lead. Uh, and Zimmer treated every game like it was that Pittsburgh game when you're up like 29 to nothing and just not, you know, shoving Dalvin into the, uh, you know, into Garrett Bradbury's ass, you know, to start every series is going to be enough help. And um, additionally, just getting an offensive lineman. I, I've been uh, high on Andrew Norwell because I think you can get him for a reasonable cost. He, uh, he excels in pass blocking which even if you look at the grades for the Vikings linemen, they're okay, but their pass blocking is bad. I think that having someone like Norwell there will could really help a lot, you know, stop, like kind of stopping that interior pressure. So just bringing in a lineman, whether it is Norwell or, you know, Shura from Tostala, drafting Tyler Linderbaum or whoever, just giving Kirk time, more protection, and, you know, allowing him to throw the ball on first down even if it's not, you know, play action, bootleg, that I think that will just open up so much for the offense. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a good point. And it, speaking offensively, um, 
I I am a more I, I do like Zimmer more than Matt and you do, but I but I I think there's some merit um, to the conservative nature he had. I think more though was the constant turnover of offensive coordinators, and especially this last year when Gary Kubiak resigned late, they didn't really have many options, so they just threw Clint Kubiak to the wolves, and he clearly wasn't ready for. They would come out firing, uh, as you know, you watch the games, and then they just get stuck. And there'd be three, four straight three and outs in the second half. That's why they lost so many one-score games. Yeah, the defense was bad, but that offensive play calling in the second half of games really didn't didn't help them. And like I said before, with Stefanski calling the plays in 2019, you got the best out of really the entire team. Um, so. And, and there's there's reason he went to the Cleveland Browns as a head coach. And even during, even pre-Kirk, you look, pre-Kirk, Pat Shermer gone to the New York Giants. Uh, you had Norv Turner quit in the middle of the season. So constant turnover. You had some talented guys, but they rarely had the same offensive coordinator from year to year. How much will just having, if Kirk does stay, knowing that his play caller is going to be there from year to year and a guy who he apparently according to to reports went to the wilts and and lobbied to get hired he wants to play for kevin o'connell yeah and i you know you talked about the vikings precursor kirk himself he's been a starter for seven years people will say he didn't have great offensive minds in washington but he had shanahan for a year he had, actually it was McVay for a year, then Shanahan, then O'Connell. Then he goes to uh, Minnesota, you have Filippo, then you have Stefanski, then you had Gary, then you had Clint. So Kirk has never had the same offensive coordinator for two years in a row as the actual quarterback of the team. So, you know, for Kirk especially, I think that that's huge. And um, I'm like, I go back and forth on where I want Kirk to go because I'll think about the potential of the Vikings offense. And my comp has always been the 2016 Falcons. You know, 28 to three choke, notwithstanding. Matt Ryan uh, had an MVP year. I think that, and he had Shanahan as his coordinator. Kirk in those situations, that you know, type of offense could easily, you know, do that. Justin Jefferson, perfect comp for Julio. Uh, I think Thielen, if he's healthy, is a better number two, but. Atlanta probably had better depth pieces, but, you know, same type offense, you know, dynamic running back. And then they brought in one offensive lineman, Alex Mack, a veteran to sure up the line. I think that that's the comp. And, you know, if you want to go to the defensive side, because people, the only thing I want to say is that people say, you're not a Vikings fan. Well, I mean, I've watched every game for the past four years. Like, I'm, I'm as invested, if Kirk's the quarterback, I am as invested in the Vikings winning as any born and raised Minnesotan. So I just want to, you know, say like, I, I have valid opinions on the defense. I've watched them for four years. You know, I would gut the defense. Yeah, I, I, think, I, wanna... they, I think they will. I think many of them will be gutted. Uh, and, and we'll see what happens. Did Daniel Hunter, that situation, I think, will be the, the linchpin. Because well, that's if, easy. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, what you, you say it's easy. What what's the solution there? Well, I, I'm a big I'm a big cap guy. I'm a big numbers guy. Um, so uh, you know, I was a finance major in college. Um, and I'm pretty decent, you know, with the spreadsheets and the numbers. 
So it's without, you know, an extension. Uh, so I don't know like how well you guys know the cap and how it works, but they have the base here, you have signing bonus prorated. So his base salary is 1.4 million. He gets like five or 6 million in, um, you know, that dead cap of the signing bonus. The rest is an $18.6 million. So that's 26 million, 18.6 of it is in, um, it's called non-prorated bonus. So that's essentially like base salary. So you convert that to signing bonus. Yeah. He has uh, this year and next as like an actual contract and then two essentially void years. You spread that out. You can get his cap hit down to like 12 million this year, 12 million next. And then you'll carry a dead cap hit of around like three or 4 million for when he hits free agency. So, you know, without an extension, without committing long-term, you know, you just convert that, you spread it out. That's a no brainer, especially with the cap he, need, he needs to be, he needs to be, Neil Hunter needs to be on the team. He's a hall of fame, oh. he's a hall of fame talent. Yeah, he missed oh. most of the last two years, but before that, he was extremely durable, and he's still like 26, 27 years old. That I I agree. That is now that you explain that, um, I thought that's what you might say. I agree that it, that is an yeah. easy move. Some of the others who because they're going to have to let some really popular veterans go. Who those are is another matter. And I think now that they move to three four. At first, it seemed like Barr for sure was gone. Now, who knows? Like, I think I think Barr fits in that 3-4 better than Kendricks does. So, I don't know what you do there. Um, you know, and this is like where – so, uh, I get into some heat with Vikings fans because there's an overlap, you know, of Kirk fans who are just, you know, they love the team and they're going to support anyone who wears purple. So then when I kind of push back, you know, analytically thinking, you know, I'm, I, I said, I have three athletes in my life who I am committed to as like who they are, no matter who they play for. I love them. And it's Kirk, it's Tom Brady, and it's David Ortiz. And, you know, those are the three guys who I like sentimentally, Paul Pierce is, is sort of up there, but, you know, in the Nets offer us. You know, you're welcome. You're there. welcome, by the way, for uh, David Ortiz. For David Ortiz. Oh, oh yeah, and and yeah. KG. <laughs> yeah, and KG. But Ortiz yeah. got a little. Yeah. Or KG won the title, but Ortiz got, you know, ten plus years in Boston. Yeah, uh, one of my favorite moments is I went to uh, Big Poppy's last game, uh, game mm. three or four. I think it was game three or four against Cleveland in uh, the playoffs. In some way, that was a great moment, but. Yeah, so even with my own team, athletes that I love, you know, I have no problem moving off them. So I would, I mean, I'm screaming from the mountaintops, get whatever you can for Dalvin Cook. Um, you know, I am very anti-paying running backs. Um, you know, I, I don't care. You know, I was actually looking at trades for, you know, running backs on second contracts. And the only ones I could find are, um, they don't really involve picks, they're for players. So I would, you know, think, what about post-June 1, Dalvin, you can negotiate picks for Xavier Howard. That's a move that I would really be interested in because um, Miami needs, you know, support around Tua. They were thinking about trading Howard. Obviously, the Vikings have a need in the secondary. If you can, you know, it depends on how the draft and free agency goes, whether or not Gardner or Stingley falls or if you draft a lineman. You know, if you could have Xavier Howard swapped out, you know, I think that would be a good move. So, uh, and that gets a lot of pushback. 
I don't disagree with that. I mean, we, we've done a lot of looking into, because I've been in the camp of, you know, I had originally leaned towards trading Gal- Dalvin this year, but then the salary, you know, was less of an issue this year. Really next year is when it starts to become a problem, but I'm with you. I, I, I'm not um, big on paying running backs as, and they, they tend to quickly lose you know, you know, go downhill in terms of their ability to contribute and their health. We saw that, you know, with Adrian Peterson, and you don't really want to get stuck with that contract late, even though in many ways, you know, I know Marshall would say that Dalvin is the heart and soul of uh, the offense and and push back on that. Going back to the defense, though, real quick. uh, Well, and first off, I want to say, Anyone who wants to lecture you about how you can't speak for Minnesota and how how Minnesota can win a Super Bowl, we've never won a Super Bowl, so no one really knows how to actually produce a, oh. win, a, a winning team. Uh, I have to give Boston teams props. Uh, I'm also married to someone from Boston who regularly, uh, you know, uh, rubs that in uh, my face. So there, there is that. But. I, who, what about some of these other players on defense? Uh, you oh, know, Pierce Marshall mentioned. Yeah, so Pierce, you're saying, is gone. Kendricks, Harrison Smith, you know, what else do you think happens or would you advocate for? Um, this is kind of a cop-out answer, but this is how I evaluate every single player. Um, and it's, there's a price and, you know, it's in ter- like two prices in terms of what someone's willing to give you in terms of compensation and how much you have to pay the guy. Uh, then you have to factor in dead cap and uh, all of that stuff. So Pierce is a no-brainer to cut, especially in the 3-4. Uh, you put Dalvin Tomlinson, you know, at the, you know, nose tackle, and then you go um, probably Watts, and I'd like to bring in the Keen Hicks. Um, Barr, it depends on how much you have to give him, because you're carrying $5 million in dead cap anyways. So do you give him, you know – do you do the void year thing? Do you give him one year? He's probably not going to get more than five or six million. So then you spread it out and you have, instead of, you know, paying him five million to not be on the team, you give him eight million to come back. Um, Kendricks, I, I'm a big Kendricks guy. He is my favorite player on the defense. Um, I mean, Hunter's awesome, but just like the way he plays, you know, what he brings. I'm a big Kendricks guy, yeah, but he had a down year. And it's going to be interesting. You got to see, you know, how he steps up. And I like Harrison Smith as well. But again, it comes down to like, are you getting an offer to trade him? And then how much can you really save? Because most of these guys, they can't get cut now. It has to be post June one. And if you're cutting a guy post June one, well, what's the point? Because there's no like the cap space can't be utilized. All the free agents are gone. You know. So I think that unless you get, you know, a second round, third round pick, like decent compensation for a Smith or a Kendricks, they're going to stay. The cut Pierce, you know, to free up another $7 million, and this is a, as a pre-June one, you'd save $9 million if you did it post. But again, you know, you got to do it pre. So you cut Pierce, and then, you know, you got to you move the money around on Hunter. You know, you can probably look at about $30 million in cap space if you extend Kirk. Couple uh, quickies to close here with Joe Spinoza. Um, you kind of touched on it earlier. The the take that the Vikings were coming off thirteen and three in twenty seventeen, and 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 that was with Case Keenum, and then Kirk came, and they didn't make the playoffs the next year. That to me is one of the dumber Kirk take, uh, takes I've heard, if not 
the dumbest. It, it takes, it, it does not take into account that they had one of the best defenses of the past two decades in 2017. I mean, it was number one in every single category, absolutely dominant. They ran the ball the most times in the NFL that year. And Pat Shermer works magic and earned himself a head coaching job and case caught lightning in a bottle. Let's be honest. Um, if that's not the dumbest Kirk take you've heard, what is? Um, yeah, so that's obviously terrible. For me, it's when people say that Kirk is like, you know, in that 13 to 15 range. To me, like that, that is where I really, you know, it, it sucks me in with like the trolls. But on the other hand, I'm just like, this is not a serious person. Because you have someone like PFF Eric, who makes his argument. And I, I think that he's extra, you know, hater. He, he sits in the hater raid towards Kirk specifically. But he admits, you know, Kirk's a top 10 quarterback, but he doesn't believe that like, any flawed team can win with even a Stafford, a Wilson, you know, like there are three guys you pay. Other than that, you know, three quarterback like any other position. So it would definitely have to be people who just say that Kirk is average, you know, just an average, you know, like you thought, like you watched Teddy Bridgewater, Christian Ponder, you know, like you had all of this like definition, like the definition of mediocre. And I don't dislike those guys. They're, they're just definition of average. And you, no, yeah. <laughs> well, we've, we've had quarterback instability and, and you should listen to Paul Charchian because he is the Kirk uh, follow him on Twitter. Uh, Paul Charchian uh, co-hosts with PA uh, on Fridays on KFAN, and he was the one advocating for us to get Kirk and is still, you know, a huge, huge fan of his. And one of his things, like last week, he was saying, the Vikings are one of few teams with quarterback stability in the entire league. Like two-thirds of the league has quarterback instability, and you mentioned some of the names. I mean, it's just unbelievable. Who knows what would have happened without Teddy's injury? He could have ascended, but he wasn't as good as Kirk Cousins um, and, and not, not close in terms of what we saw from him, even pre-injury and, and none of these guys for that, for that matter. So Vikings fans better be very thankful for stability at the quarterback position, Matt at a point. I was just going to say, uh, Joe, you probably haven't heard, but on, on our last podcast, my biggest gripe or the worst take I've heard are the people who say, you know, Kirk doesn't, you know, win and they for conveniently forget that half of his career was spent at the most dysfunctional organization and all in, of football in, in the Washington football team commanders, whatever they are now. And, and that literally at the same time, they're holding up Sean McVay, Kyle Shanahan, all these people who literally won three games when they were all on the same staff together. Like you cannot win there, but yet Kirk's the only one that like should have won while he was there. And he won. And he won. And he won the division. He won the division. Yeah. I, I I remember that you liked that game against Tampa. It came down from like twenty eight points, and uh, then Kirk I think had like twenty two touchdowns to three interceptions, like the final ten games of the season. You know. Yeah, and he led a lot of game winning drives this year, and what should have been game winning drives if not for the defense giving it up. Late. Last quick question here. Um, if you were crazy Adolfo Mensa, a lot of change in Minnesota. He's one of the bigger ones, the GM. Um, and you could keep and you were gonna keep Kirk. They told you you're keeping Kirk. What is the best case scenario around him for this upcoming season? If you're if you're the Vikings GM. Oh, 
Oh, I've been playing around with over the top. So um, I'll just say you pay for stability and you pay for guys who have to be on the field for every snap. The, the reason why you bring in a GM and you trust him is because pay your premium for your quarterback, you pay a premium for your O-line. So that's what you pay a premium for because those guys have to be on the field. And then you scheme around the rest. So um, I would try to draft uh, Soft Gardner. I've been trying to speak that into existence. So draft him or Stingley if one of them are there. Uh, so bring in a corner. Uh, defense and uh because i think the offense is, is pretty much fine you're you're one you're one lineman away i think we're having i think the best offense in the nfc other than maybe the Rams. yeah that's that is uh that's great that's great stuff right there cut out in a, a little bit in the middle but i think i think what you were saying is build up the defense <laughs> and and maybe get one really they're a right guard away Bradbury's exactly. not great, but they're a right guard away. They can survive with Bradbury. If you get a you right can. guard, then you have two. Cleveland was pretty good this year. You get two guards around Bradbury play well. Those bookend tackles are really good with O'Neal and Derisaw. Could be looking at something really special offensively with Kevin O'Connell. Um, Matt's already proclaimed him a genius. We'll, we'll wait and see. But uh, but it's, it is very exciting for Vikings fans. And former backup Patriots quarterback. Yes, yes. So I remember he, when we uh, drafted him. Yes, and he uh, and and he learned from Tom Brady and Bill Belichick to start his career, and uh, recently from Sean McVay. So it should be should be uh, very exciting. Joe, uh, that was great stuff. Thanks so much uh, for for coming on. Uh, your Twitter persona is building, and uh, hope to hope to have you back on uh, soon when we get resolution with this uh, this Kirk situation. Yeah, for better or for worse, definitely. Absolutely. All right, that's Joe Spinoza. All right, thanks once again to Joe Spinoza. Again, you can follow him on Twitter at Real Joe Spinoza. Spinoza is spelled S-P-I-N-O-S-A. And that was great, Matt. He has he has really uh, created a big persona for himself on Twitter in less than two months. And, and I mean, I I was thinking like. Who is this guy? Um, because I, I didn't know who he was until like a month ago. And uh, turns out for good reason, because he wasn't on Twitter. So um, love having him on. And uh, his, his takes are very smart. Very smart young man. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope people listen to the podcast and realize that trying to understand who someone is based on 140 characters uh, is wrong and not indicative of all the nuance and depth that they bring. Because if you listen to Joe, you know, all the haters would say, oh, he's not from Minnesota. He's not a Vic really a Vikings fan. He doesn't know what he's talking about. And that's just their way to distract from the, you know, when, when he makes some really good points. And it's very clear that he is well-researched, that he follows this team carefully, uh, that he wants them to succeed. Uh, and he knows a lot about what he's talking about. You don't always have to agree with each of his takes because none of this stuff is, you know, easy. But um, he had a lot of very thoughtful things, and it was fun to hear how he did become a Kirk Cousins uh, fan 
and really yeah. fill in those gaps. If anything, I think not being a born and raised Vikings fan brings a different perspective. And the fact of the matter is he's watched every single one of Kirk Cousins games in Washington and here. Few can say that. Really, few can say that. And, I mean, I want Kirk to stay around now just so he keeps watching Vikings games. I want to see, because his takes on the defense were very interesting as well. Uh, so he doesn't just have takes on, on Kirk, you know, when he watches the games. He has the right to form opinions about the coaching staff and Dalvin Cook, the defense. You know, I may not agree with all of them. You may not. But uh, I think in general, we're pretty in lockstep on Kirk. And that's the main reason we wanted to to bring him on because that's mainly what he he talks about um, on on Twitter. And uh, it was interesting to hear how he became a Kirk Cousins uh, fan. One one thing I wanted to touch on, and then something that he did mention, and then a couple questions that we didn't get to ask him just due to time constraints that we will break down. The Dalvin Cook thing is probably the point he made I disagree with most. Um, and, and we've talked about this before. Um, and he brought up some very good, you know, analytics and, and stuff like that. I'm not against the analytics. I'm not a, against the point that paying running backs in general is a bad idea. I just think Dalvin Cook is a unique talent, a u- very unique talent and leader. And he is the heart and soul. Of the, I mean, he, he is uh, not just the heart and soul of the offense, really the heart and soul of the team. I mean, when he goes down, the team is totally different. And you've seen seen that over the years. Um, so the offense is totally different. The team is totally different. Now we'll see how much this new offense relies on play action and the running game, maybe less so. So it, it could be it could be interesting. But you saw that Rams offense, when they had Cam Akers going strong, they were even tougher to defend and when he came back in the playoffs it was really good it wasn't much of a factor in the Super Bowl Cincinnati held him in check but uh but no question about it um that Rams offense was better when he was churning so uh we'll we'll see how if Dalvin's on this team how Kevin O'Connell elects to to use him Kevin O'Connell Wes Phillips and and co another thing is and this is what we didn't talk with him about and Matt I'm eager to get your opinions on this because we are, again, recording this on Wednesday, March 9th. That's important to keep in mind because by the time we post this, probably tomorrow, things may have drastically changed. Um, there's an outside shot. Kirk's traded. Who knows? Um, but we saw yesterday Russell Wilson traded. Today, Carson Wentz traded. And now you have a situation where Seattle's looking for quarterback, might go via draft, might try to make another trade themselves. Indianapolis, same thing. There's rumors they are after maybe Jimmy Garoppolo. But then I saw a great tweet by Ben Lieber today saying what he was hearing at the Combine was that Trey Lance is not ready. And we know that the rest of the Niners team is ready. They we're in the NFC championship game and knocked off number one seeded green Bay at Lambeau. They may keep Garoppolo for another year. After all this, they may keep Garoppolo. You know, everyone's assuming he was done in San Francisco. They may keep him if they're not confident Trey Lance is ready, or they may deal him and maybe they try to go for Kirk. It's, it's wild right now. It, it is wild. And, and you didn't even mention uh, he who should not be named, 
who wanted to make it all about him by announcing his return to the Packers, um, yeah. which is an important development. Or Deshaun Watson. We didn't we didn't mention him either. And who, that could be he could be a factor in this as well. Who there's currently a grand jury that's being, you know, pooled to, to decide if they're gonna bring charges against him, you know, uh, in the criminal a potential criminal case. Um, you know, plus the obviously you have all the civil cases that are going on right now, you know, and, and I do think that Rogers going back to the Packers does matter because, you know, if Rogers had left and went to the AFC, it, you know, we've both been very clear. It made no sense to trade Kirk because he might be the number one quarterback in the NFC in that case, certainly in the division. Uh, it's a different scenario um, with Rogers back. That doesn't mean you have to trade him. Um, I, I do think at this point that someone is going to be willing to pay enough that KOC and Quasi pull the trigger and, and trade Kirk. That is my, that is the opinion I'm coming to. It's not what I hope for. And I've always been clear that I think that you need to get the equivalent of two firsts for Kirk. That is where I draw the line. I do think that someone is, uh, you know, going to be willing to do it potentially um, I do think that the 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 three most likely, uh, you know, teams would be. Uh, I I do think the Colts could turn around and do it. I think that they might think about you know trading for either Kirk or Garoppolo and seeing what they could do. I, I still think the Steelers are are potentially in the the market for making a big move for a quarterback, um, and, and that team still has enough depth where they could make a run. And I do think that you're right with San Francisco that if they trade Garoppolo. Maybe they do say, hey, we'll take Kirk for one year. Kirk, you don't have to renegotiate. You can hit the market next year. Trey Lance is ready after that. Let's go make a run together with your boy, Kyle Shanahan. That might be if 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 some people – there are all these people who are speculating about what Kirk wants from a contract perspective. And let's be clear. No one knows except Kirk, his agent, and maybe Quazy and KOC at this point. So everyone needs to shut the hell up on that piece of it. But – if Rogers reported contract that he's going to sign is going to reset the market and Kirk, you know, wants to play for that $45 million uh, cap number, even though we, we know it's, it's really 30, it's 45 cap, you know, 35 base going to San Francisco would probably be the best option. I mean, if, if you could pull that off and try and go win with that team and then turn it over to Trey Lance and hit the market after that. So there's going to be some interesting things. I am hopeful that it will be, if they do trade it, it's for, you know, two firsts or kind of the equivalent and get the numbers off the books. And then the Vikings do not, do not draft a quarterback this year in the draft. Yeah, if we're going yeah. to trade them, that's my hope. But I, 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 as you know, my hope is that we run it out there with Kirk, sign him to an extension and do as Joe was talking about of building the line in the defense to see what we can make happen. What do you think? I, yeah, I, I do not. I do not think they should draft a quarterback, certainly in the first round. This quarterback class, none of these guys would be first-round picks in last year's class. Think about that. None of them. If this were an average quarterback class, you'd maybe have one of them in the first round. Uh, very raw, a lot of flaws in all of them, and we don't need to go into that now. We can do that closer to the draft, maybe bring back on Jack Day, who's, who's a, a, a draft expert. Um, and others as well. Um, I do not. And by the way, Garoppolo, great fit already in San Francisco. I mean, he's taken them to the Super Bowl. Um, great fit in Indianapolis or Pittsburgh. 
Why? They're huge running offenses. Indianapolis, with Jonathan Taylor, was a great running offense last year. Pittsburgh with Najee Harris, same thing. So both of those teams want to run the ball. So I think Garoppolo would fit perfectly in either one of those systems. The issue with if they trade him and then they try to acquire Kurt, they don't really have the draft capital. They gave up a ton of draft picks for Trey Lance. Now, would they recoup some of them for Garoppolo? Sure. But Garoppolo probably isn't getting you a first-round pick. I mean, Carson Wentz, Garoppolo, no. you know, they're, they're about the same. Um, I'd say Garoppolo might be more trustworthy than both, both of it injuries, but Garoppolo lately has been more durable and, uh, and doesn't throw quite as many interceptions as, as uh, well, Wentz was okay. Wentz was, Wentz had good touchdown to interception ratio last year, but you know, he just really had, struggled at the end of the year. Yeah, he is struggled what at really the end, and, and he had the, one of the best running games in the league and still couldn't make the postseason. So, uh, and, and then they, they traded him a year after they got him. And apparently I was listening to today, Dan Orlovsky on ESPN was saying, you know, he might've had some issues in the locker room as well. Uh, Cause Frank Reich liked him. That's why he got him uh, from, from Philadelphia where he had coached him before. And, and then after one year, they, they dumped him. So, you know, we'll see what the situation is. I do not, I know, I know it's tempting to say, oh, look at everything happening right now. Um, Kirk's going to get traded. I don't think it's happening. I, I, I do not think that Quasi and O'Connell came here looking to trade Kirk. I do not. Um, I, I, I don't think you, you come here with all the offense. Now, if the cupboard was bare offensively, then it'd be a different conversation. But when you have Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, Dalvin Cook, Irv Smith returning, the bookend tackles that we mentioned when Joe was on, it, it to me that'd be that would be cutting the cord too soon. And yeah, would it be easier to keep him if Rodgers was out of the NFC? Sure. But this team beat Rodgers last year. This team can compete with Green Bay. And by the way, Green Bay is not going to be as talented on paper in 2022 as they were in 2021. They already had to cut Zadarius Smith. They are in cap hell. They had to franchise Devontae Adams, which could be a dicey situation because he has no long-term security. So is he going to be cool with that? And that's a huge cap hit, by the way, the franchise tag. So, you know, Green Bay has some issues even with Rodgers returning. I think it was the right way. Everyone's saying that they should have just got rid of him. No. When you have, a, when you no. have one of the best quarterbacks in the history of the game, you keep him. That was the right move by Green Bay. And, oh, they didn't win it last year. Well, they won 13 games and were the number one seed and easily were good enough to win it. They just ran into San Francisco, and they played a bad game in poor weather conditions. But they're still going to be I, I, very, very formidable. I, no what, what Green Bay needs to stop do, uh, doing is shooting themselves in the foot. They should have drafted the wide receiver in the first round rather than Jordan Love. You know, yes. as they should have done the last couple of years, but they they're they just have decided not to. But get Rodgers more weapons. Ooh, I mean, I hope they don't do that. Obviously, because I don't want them to have greater success. But you know, I I I you know, I'm with you. I hope I think you laid out a good case of of why they potentially shouldn't get trade Kirk or why some of these people might not good partners. 
the thing for me, and this is, you know, we've both been consistent about this, and I don't get this about the other Vikings Twitter folks, is you cannot build this ship while you're flying. You can try and rebuild it while you're flying it. That's not how this team is made up. So it's either you got to go all in with Kirk and this team and, and get some flexibility and try and, you know, with a new coach, new mindset, better culture. Let's be very clear. Clearly with all the reports, whether it was with Sugarman, whether it was with Spielman, whether it was with Zim, who I know you defend, there were cultural issues with this team. At best, you can say it got stale. And at worst, deep, deep issues um, within the culture of the organization. But in, in this team, it's either you got to, you know, hit, you know, hope that a refresh on the coaching staff and the culture and some tweaks and creativity with the, you know, uh, the cap, which, you know, Brzezinski is always good at, or you got to tear this freaking thing down, in which case trade Harrison Smith, trade Thielen, trade Kendricks, trade Kirk, you know, trade Dalvin and, and really, you know, hit refreshed almost dare I say tank next year for Bryce Young because if you just try and think that you can go out and sign a Jameis Winston a Marcus Mariota or dear lord Mitch Trubisky as some people are, are you know almost advocating for we we have lost our damn minds this bridge QB for. thing is absolutely insane well I'm, here's the thing is it's this, it'd be one thing it would be one thing if it matched up with this quarterback class and where you were with the draft, as yeah. well as that you had, it also would be make more sense if the rest of your pieces were young up and coming affordable talent. But with the exception of a couple, you know, a couple of linemen and Jeff, you know, and Jefferson, like that's not the case. This team is like older veterans, you know, that have heavy cap hits and so, like, this is not something where you can keep all of those favorite players and just jettison Kirk, get a bridge QB, draft Joe Burrow 2.0, and then win next year. Like, that's moronic. That's not way, going to. By the way, Joe happen. Burrow was the number was the number one pick, and yeah. there's not even going to be a quarterback taken, maybe in the top five this year. Certainly not with the number one pick. And you knew if it's a quarterback draft worth anything, the quarterback's going number one. Or certainly number one, two, or three, um, yeah. but it's not a good quarterback draft. So, so the idea that you're going to trade Kirk and then draft a QB, and if you're uh, Quasi and and Kevin O'Connell, that you're going to put your bet your future on picking the right one out of this draft. If they do the bridge QB thing, then, and this I was arguing on Twitter about this with somebody last night. They wanted to do the bridge QB thing. Okay. So you know you're downgrading at quarterback this year. So you're not going to compete for a Super Bowl this year or probably even a playoff spot. That's number one. Number two, then you probably, you, you may not even draft a quarterback this year. So you may have two years of this bridge QB. Hope you're in a spot to draft one next year. Hope you hit on the right one. And then you, you have two straight years of the bridge QB and losing, and then you have the first year of starting of a new QB, which usually isn't very good. So you're talking about three years of probably non-playoffs before in the fourth year you're competing. Try going to just, and this is what I argued last night, try going to Justin Jefferson and telling him the quarter, and all the, oh, Kirk, uh, JJ hates Kirk. Da, da, da. That's all speculation. 
That's, I mean, does he have the Again, it's people, people pretending. No, that- he's not Joe Burrow. Okay, you know what? I'll admit it. He's not Joe Burrow. Okay, that's not saying anything. The, the, Joe Burrow. Let's be but, honest. But, no, this let me just people- finish this one thing. Let me just finish this one thing. So tell JJ you're going to trade the quarterback who is who has helped him achieve the most yards in the first two years of a wide receiver's career in the history of the National Football League. Kirk threw him every one of those passes outside of a couple that Sean Mannion threw him in Lambeau Field this year in that disastrous debacle. Okay? So, you know, try telling him that. And by the way, then try telling him, we don't know who who the future is. And, and, And do you see how many things have to go right? Like, if you're not going to take a quarterback this year, which I think we agree they shouldn't, but even if you do, that's a gamble. If you want to take one next year, you have to assume you lose enough games to get into the spot or get into a spot where you can trade for one and then assume you hit on the right one. Like Paul Charchian was saying last week on KFAN on the Friday football feeds, you have quarterback stability. Do not take that for granted. You're one of like 10 to 12 teams that actually have quarterback stability and you want to throw it away. This is the problem with these people. They don't have a plan. There's no plan. They want to jettison Kirk, but what is the plan to get better at quarterback? Oh No, Marshall, their plan is draft Patrick Mahomes or Joe Burrow. I, I don't know if you heard that. That's no. And okay, they won't don't name who that they won't even be they they can't even name for you who that is. Who the next yeah. one is. Well, they they want to say Malik Willis because they've seen three throws that, you know, no. are really impressive deep balls, but they forget all he the other no throws that he makes. The, yeah. the accuracy is not good. And I'm saying I hope Malik Willis is good. He could be exciting, you know, but like I the my the last thing I'll say is I just go back to exactly as you laid it out. I'm not opposed to to trading Kirk if you get enough value for him. What I am opposed to is trading Kirk, having a middling bridge quarterback, and overreaching for a quarterback that you're not that is not really that good um, and and shouldn't be drafted at that position. Instead, if you're going to trade Kirk and get that capital, as I said. I think you need to, you know, the only plan you can tell JJ is, listen, we're committed to you. We're going to make you the highest paid wide receiver in the history of this game. And we'll do that. But it's going to take a few years of rebuilding. And that means tearing it down. But, you know, and hope that that, you know, appeases him. Again, not my preferred route. But at least then the at least the plan can be tank for Bryce Young next year um, rather than, Let's try and you know overreach for someone in the Thanks first for Bryce round. Bryce Young might mean getting the number one pick. Uh, yeah, but I think it, that that's a better. What, uh, that's what are the chances better, of that happening? Uh, if you jettison all the the talented players, maybe, and and I think that there will be others that will be better talent that are in that are in the draft next year as well. And that's an example. I'm not saying that that's a really great plan, but I like that better than overreaching for someone this year. And that's not going to be good. And exactly as you said, finding ourselves in this repeated reset pattern over and over again, because we don't get a high enough draft. We're not, we don't do the, the necessary 
evil if you're going to go the rebuilding route of being really bad to get that that slam dunk quarterback early on. Well, yeah, and this is the last point I'll make. I agree with you. If they trade Kirk, they can't keep Dalvin. They can't keep Harrison and so many other veterans. Uh, they, they would need to go all the way. But it does not make sense to me that you would give up on a team with a talent that I already mentioned on the yep. offensive side of the ball. And a Hall of Fame pass rusher in Daniel Hunter, a Hall of Fame safety in Harrison Smith, and, and you know, Eric Kendricks, Anthony Barr, very good players. Here has been the problem, and we've mentioned this before. I mentioned the 2017 defense was one of the best of the last two decades in the NFL. It was. They were number one in every single category. They were dominant all year until that Philadelphia game, pretty much, in, in a bad spot. They got, they got handled. But here's the thing. I, I was thinking about this defense yesterday. That defense was pretty much all homegrown guys on rookie deals with a few exceptions. Daniel Hunter was on his rookie deal. Uh, Everson was not. And, but, but look at the Hendricks and Barr, both were. Xavier Rhodes and Trey Waynes, both were. Mackenzie Alexander was. Uh, Harrison Smith was not. So you had Harrison Smith, Everson Griffin, and Linval Joseph, I think, were your, like, three veterans who were not on their rookie deals. And Linval was a phenomenal signing. Harrison was obviously homegrown, so was Everson, but on their, on their second deals. They haven't been able to replicate that. That has been the problem. They drafted all those guys successfully in the early years of Mike Zimmer. In year one of Zimmer, he took the defense from – Last to average. You have a similar jump. I'm not saying that Ed Donatel is going to perform that kind of miracle work in year one. It might take a couple of years, and we'll see how they do in the draft and free agency if they can create some cap room. But if this defense is average and you get one more offensive line, if you get one more offensive lineman, this offense is top five. Not just in the NFC, in the NFL. So to me, like you want to take the quarterback off that team take money out of it even i I just don't know how you do that and i don't know if i'm I'm with i don't know if i'm totally with joe that he's you know top five or six when he's playing at his best he is but but i would put him somewhere like jack day said a couple weeks ago like in the eight to twelve range I i think that's more fair but but i think he's probably top 10 giving up top 10 quarterbacks for a shot at a quarterback lottery is a very, very whiskey, dicey proposition. Last word. This, my last word is we don't. I don't think we we know what Kirk Cousins' potential fully is, because the problem with this team, getting at what you were at, is Mike Zimmer ruined the offense. Uh, Rick Spielman stopped drafting good players. And the combination of those two factors, culture, you know, not having the right offensive scheme, poor drafting, and a defense that fell apart, you know, and constant turnover in terms of offensive coordinator, ruined this team, and it has kept Kirk down. And so I don't think we know what Kirk can do, if you, but if you get that last offensive lineman, as you're saying, that's, that is reliable, and a new offensive-minded coach, young, energetic, 
I think the potential, I, I think you have to want to see that play out at least one season rather than just going and, and throwing it all away and hoping that you hit on a rookie in, by drafting someone in, in inevitably that 10 to 20 range. So, and, and then I guess my last word will be this. It's not a, it's not a possibility we've talked a lot about. There's a chance they just let Kirk play out the deal. And they know like, hey, we're probably not a Super Bowl team this year, but we want to see how he plays in this offense without committing like super long term in terms of dollars and years to him. And we'll revisit this next year. That is a possibility as well. And, 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 and we'll see. I mean, you wouldn't like that $45 million cap hit, but they can free up some cap space elsewhere. Who knows? They, they might want to roll with that. But again, Kirk did lobby Mark Wilf to, to, to hire Kevin O'Connell. We knew from Washington. I don't think Kevin O'Connell and Quasi Adolfo Mensa turn around and trade Kirk Cousins. Maybe something blows them away. And if it does, then we have a whole nother set of talkers because then it might start a domino of moves. But there are going to be a lot of moves made. And one week from today, we're recording this on the 9th, free agency starts on the 16th. So we're going to do a podcast either prior to free agency or right after that first wave. And uh, there'll be a lot to discuss and probably still no baseball agreement. So uh, when there is one, we'll, we'll start talking more twins. And uh, we'll talk some wolves too. Wolves playing very good basketball right now. A lot to talk about in Minnesota sports and the Vikings leading the way in the headlines uh, for good, for bad, whatever. Uh, they're usually right up there uh, when it comes to sports in Minnesota, even in March. So that'll do it. Thanks again to Joe Spinoza for joining us this week. Great guest for Matt Gallivan. I'm Marshall Kellner. We'll talk to you guys next time. See ya.